0: men can count on contact cordell cordell cordell.com 1065 east hillsdale boulevard suite 310 foster city california 94404 Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride. You can find all of my work over at milehighsports.com, which is where this podcast is going to be posted. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at T J MBA. but this is a show where we are going to get into ev- everything from the Nuggets, beat down to the Jazz, one hundred three eighty eight tonight, to move to 8-1, which is their now their best start to the 1974-75 season, when this team was still the Denver Rockets of the ABA. So, we're going to get into tons of stuff, I mean, the Nuggets defense was once again just phenomenal top to bottom. Jokic had one of the strangest uh, stat lines you see in a long time from a big, but it really speaks to what Malone called his greatness, and we'll get into why it makes him great and what's so special about Jokic being able to put up 16 assists and not need to score we'll talk about the bench being able to drag this Nuggets team back from the depths because things were rough there for about three quarters. It was a legitimate slugfest in this game, and it wasn't until the bench unit decided to put their foot down and accelerate past the jazz. that The Nuggets were able to take control of this game. Um, And that leads perfectly into the fourth quarter obliteration that the Nuggets had of the jazz. And, the Jazz were on the second night of a back-to-back, but the Nuggets were playing their third game in four nights, so it was both teams that were tired, but the Nuggets just show that they had more grit than really the Jazz did tonight and more effort in this game, and that's what the difference was. Um, there's a couple bad things I want to talk about as well. Um, Torrey Craig in the starting lineup has been an iffy conversation to have recently, and I'll get into the if, ands, and whys of what's going on with Torrey Craig in this starting lineup and what the Nuggets could potentially do to change that option. Um, And then we'll also talk about Jamal Murray's struggles with his handles and how it's really kind of taken the Nuggets' offense a step backwards when you don't really want to see that. Um, Just because there's so many things he just can't quite do as a point guard yet. And he's still learning. He's still so young. But as of right now, there are just legitimate deficiencies in his game. Um, The last topic we'll get to is how the Nuggets still just cannot hit three-pointers at this point. Which is one of the strangest phenomenons for this Nuggets team that is so incredibly talented. And has so many shooters on it. And so many playmakers. And so many guys that require attention. That there should always be an open shooter somewhere on the floor. And so far, the shots just haven't fallen. So, we'll talk about why maybe that is, who's struggling, and what we can expect to bounce back, and basically just why the Nuggets have been able to win even without this three point shooting and how important that is. Before we get into the rest of the podcast, though, let me give you a quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station just because they're doing a lot of cool ads and a lot of cool things like that. So, giving you an idea of where all of their products are and where. Basically, just everything that they do is – I want to make sure we get into that a lot just so you know about these sponsors because they do support the show. And it's such an important part of me being able to do this show is that we have the financial backing of a sponsor like and Care Station. So we'll be back in one second after a word from our sponsors. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, I just wanted to remind everybody that we are presented by Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flower and concentrates, as well as all of the brands that you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves at having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you their dispensaries are unassuming safe and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience for up-to-date menus and promotions head to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come into one of their five convenient colorado locations today all right let's get into my first takeaway from the nuggets beat down of the jazz in a 103 to 88 win that puts them at eight and one I think the biggest takeaway from this game, it just has to be the fact that this Nuggets defense is just flat out for real. I mean, I know it's only been nine games. I know it's a small sample size. I know that there's a lot of basketball left to be played, but... There are so many reasons to believe in this defense from here on out, and the biggest one for me is that if there's something that is sustainable across an entire NBA season as long as a team is bought in, is effort. Schemes don't always work against every team. You're not always going to have the benefit to where teams don't just start making shots that are incredibly difficult to make. That happens in the NBA all the time. The Warriors literally have predicated their offense around making obnoxiously tough shots, but the effort, as long as the effort continues to be at this level, there's no reason the Nuggets can't be a very, very good defensive team. Top five might be a little overly ambitious, but it's not crazy to think that they could be in the top half of defenses, somewhere between 15th and 10th in the NBA. And if that happens, the sky is the limit for this Nuggets team. And... Talking about the effort being sustainable, this is a game to where the effort was the most important part because the Nuggets' defensive scheme of being aggressive at the point of attack and sending Jokic and Plumlee and Millsap way up to the three-point line to meet the ball handler at the point of the screen—that's actually very—that's not advantageous against the Jazz because Rudy Gobert is so good at rolling to the rim. So I'm going to try and articulate this over, you know, without showing a video, obviously, in this podcast to make it make somewhat sense. So I'm sorry if it doesn't. But when Nikola Jokic comes up and tries to meet Rudy Gobert and the ball handler at the point of the screen and then Jokic tries to contain the ball handler, that leaves about a half second to a second for Rudy to Gobert to roll to the rim without any defender help, um, stopping him. So what that forces the defense to do is players like Paul Millsap and Gary Harris have to help off of their man from the weak side and slow Gobert's roll to the rim. That's the only way that you can be able to stop him from slipping the screen and just getting lob dunk after lob dunk. The To do that... You're going to leave a shooter open because Paul Millsap comes from the corner. Now, whoever Paul Millsap was guarding is open, which means the next defender has to scramble to help cover Paul's man, which means the next defender has to, has to scramble to help whether it's Jamal Murray or Gary Harris or Torrey Craig's man. So what you do is you start a sequence to where there is always an open shooter that one of the Nuggets defenders has to fly out to be able to slow in their motion because if you don't, you're giving up a wide open shot. That is 100% an effort play. That is the only way that the Nuggets are going to be able to continue to run this defensive scheme and be able to be productive is to have the multiple efforts to get to the open shooter and make their life difficult as an open shooter. And tonight, man, were the Nuggets phenomenal, especially in that first half on Rudy Gobert. So... Gary Harris and Paul Millsap stymied Rudy Gobert pretty much the entire first half. And whenever they were able to kick the ball out to the corner, every single defender on the Nuggets team was closing out with reckless abandon doing everything they can to run three-point shooters off the line. Because even if you close out too hard and end up past your man, past the three-point shooter, you force them to step up when you close out that hard. So what Malone and a lot of NBA people call that is running three-point shooters off of the line. And that is exactly what they did all night tonight. And it wasn't just that they were able to, you know, force the uh, the Jazz into tough shots, they literally just weren't able to make them. The Jazz tonight were 6 of 31 from the 3 point line. That's 19.4%. Donovan Mitchell, who was the off-ball shooter most of the night, was 0 of 7 from 3 point land. Joe Ingles, who is their best volume perimeter shooter, was only 1 of 4 from 3 point land. Overall, you cannot say enough phenomenal things about this Nuggets team because they were able to put in the extra effort to make damn sh- sure that they were not going to give up the open shots that could absolutely crush them in this game on top of that i mean if you just take the one-on-one defense that these guys were playing with it was phenomenal gary harris's defense on joe ingles who joe ingles is really the life support line for this jazz team in terms of spacing the floor was top notch it was spectacular there's no other way to really even phrase it at that point Joe Ingles is one of the most lethal shooters in basketball. I mean, that's not a crazy thing to say. It may not be on the extreme volume of a Stephen Curry or a Damian Lillard, but he is he when you take away Joe Ingles' three-point shooting from the Utah Jazz, you're sucking the oxygen out of that offense and it makes it almost impossible for them to operate because all of a sudden there's so many people who can't hit threes that you can sag off of those players into the paint, which allows the weak side defense to be so much better against guys like Rudy Gobert when they're rolling to the rim. So... The the Nuggets defense was on a string tonight, and it was 100% because of the effort. And that is such an important thing. That's why I've said it three times already in the first, what, 10 minutes of this podcast, is that the effort was just phenomenal. And I think at this point, at least the effort, it's sustainable. The energy, the urgency, the tenacity, it was all there on display in every capacity of this game. This is now the fifth time the Nuggets have held a team under 100 points. And the Nuggets held the Jazz, who have been scoring at will against other teams, to just 88 points tonight. They were just dismantling this team top to bottom on defense. And it was just a treat to be able to watch this Nuggets team buy in in the way that they have defensively. It has been phenomenal. It has been spectacular. It has been fantastic. Pick any superlative adjective that you want to use for this Nuggets defense, and it applies at this point. And Michael Malone deserves so much of this credit because... When Michael Malone first came into the Nuggets, he wanted to play a defense like the Memphis Grizzlies, where you drop back in defense, you force them to take mid-range shots, you don't jump for steals, you're not in a position to where they're playing conservative defensively. Michael Malone allowed himself to completely scrap his entire ideology of defensive basketball, and he played aggressive. He asked Nikola Jokic what he wanted to do. Nikola Jokic said he felt more comfortable playing up the court, and he let him do so, and he tailor-made a defense around that exact thought process. And now they're reaping the benefits of that. This is why the Nuggets even has been so good. And I'm going to end up writing an article about Michael Malone and the ability for him to let go of his previous conceptions about how to play basketball because this is also a guy that two and a half years ago said, you know what, this 22-year-old Serbian center who is overweight and we have and is one of the most unique players in the league, we're just going to let him run our offense. It takes so much Um, I guess lack of an ego within a coach to allow yourself to let a player like Nikola Jokic make these big decisions for the schemes that you're going to play with as a team on both ends of the floor. And Michael Malone deserves just endless credit for allowing that to happen. The next thing I want to get into is just Nikola Jokic's greatness, which is a perfect segue from what we were already talking about. Nikola Jokic is one of the most unique players in all of basketball. I mean, I don't think we've seen any player quite like him, at least in my generation. And it's so weird to see a player who only puts up nine points, but is honestly the most impactful player on the floor when he was on it. Nikola Jokic is the Nuggets offense. There's a lot of players around him that allowed this type of offense to flourish, but Nikola Jokic leads the NBA in total passes for a reason, and it's because he is the entire engine that makes this Nuggets offense go. And, you know, you look at his box score and you're like, ugh, like, he only had seven points on three of nine shooting? Like That is not what you want to see from your best player, per se, but... He had 16 assists against four turnovers and 10 rebounds, three of which were offensive tonight. So you just have to take Nikola Jokic and look at him in a different scope than you do any other player. I mean, Nikola Jokic is a flat-out great NBA player. Quinn Snyder, the Utah Jazz head coach before the game, called him the best passer in the NBA regardless of height. It doesn't matter who you put up against him. Quinn Snyder thinks that Nikola Jokic is the best passer in the league. And I asked uh, Michael Malone this as well, and this is the quote that he gave me. I do. He is a great player. His vision, he sees things before the guy even realizes he is open. There is a reason that about two and a half years ago, I decided to put him as the focal point of our offense, and things have taken off since then. I am thrilled he's going to be here for a long, long time. And when you have an NBA lifer like Michael Malone... Like being completely comfortable being like Nikola Jokic is the best passer in all of basketball. That is a very, very important thing to hear because that's not hyperbole to these individuals. Quinn Snyder and Michael Malone are highly, highly respected by so many people in the NBA. And to hear them say these things, like it's very eye opening. But that wasn't even the most eye opening quote from Michael Malone. So. Someone asked Michael Malone how special it is that Nikola Jokic is able to produce at this level without scoring, and how he can still be this impactful without scoring. So this is what Michael Malone said in response to that question. I think it speaks to his greatness. Some guys can impact the game with solely their scoring and their ability to score baskets. Nikola can dominate a game without scoring at all. Not many guys can do that. He had half of our assists last night. We had 32 as a team and he had 16 of them in 28 minutes. He gets 10 rebounds and he only had 7 points. He is a huge part of our offense. He is a huge part of this team and franchise. The ball is going to go through him and I trust him to make the right plays. The sign of greatness In my opinion, is that he makes everyone around him better. He does that better, in my opinion, than anyone else in the league. This is a man who coached LeBron James. Michael Malone also coached Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green in Golden State. He is. This is not an individual who has been around just mediocre players his entire career. He has seen some of the greatest players of all time play and he coached them. And Michael Malone is saying that, in his opinion, there is no one else in the league who is able to do the things that Nikola Jokic does. That is just it's, it's bewildering. It's mind boggling. I mean, you just don't see that type of situation. And for a player to lead the league in passes, to not have to score and put up 16 assists in their sleep, it's, it's incredible. And, I talked to Mason Plumley after the game and I asked Mason I was like have you ever seen a player who has been who had 16 assists like this and Mason looked at me and he goes he had 16 assists and didn't understand that that, that did not know that that was the case he proceeded to say That is incredible. I did not even know that. I have not played with someone who's had 16 assists in a game before, so that is impressive. I did not know that. He was having trouble even answering the question just because of how absurd it was to him. And this is a teammate of his for a year and a half. Like This is insanity. And he does it in such a nonchalant fashion. And... The impact that he has with his passing, it just doesn't happen very often. It is such a rare thing to see in the NBA, and it is an absolute treat for us as fans, as media, as an or- as the Nuggets organization, or players around the league who aren't having to play against Nikola Jokic, just to see this brilliance from a player who is looking goofy and a guy who is not athletic at all and is kind of not in great shape who can just go out there and play like an offensive savant like the NBA has just never seen before. My next two takeaways actually directly tie in together so I'm just going to hit them both at the same time. Um, First of all it's the bench domination especially in that fourth quarter. I mean overall the bench was just great from top to bottom but especially in that fourth quarter when they went on a 35 to 15 run uh, and just really not the Jazz completely out of this game and gave them no chance. Before we get into why it worked as a team, let's just go down the list of each player who played pretty solid minutes on the bench unit. Um, Let's start with a quick Monte Morris hit. I mean, two rebounds, two assists, three rebounds, no turnovers, only played 12 minutes, hit a three off of one of the most pretty Jokic passes I've seen in a really long time. So Monte, again, was just strong and steady. Um, Juanjo Hernan Gomez was very important tonight because his numbers may not jump off the page, but... His, the three that he hit was very important, and it spaced the floor, and the Nuggets needed it to do so. He had eight points. He had two offensive rebounds and two defensive rebounds. He also had a steal as well as an assist. So Wancho defended his ass off, was playing with tons of energy on both ends of the floor, hit a three, was crashing the glass, was getting to the rim. He was really doing a little bit of everything, and the Nuggets needed his 28 minutes tonight flat out. Like They absolutely needed his 28 minutes. And he, We're getting to a point now to where Wancho... Hernan Gomez, he might be the person that Michael Malone needs to insert into the starting lineup to be able to help these starters get going, but I'll get to that a little bit more later in the podcast. Trey Lyles, um, different but similar. So he played 20 minutes tonight, eight points. Again, was 0 of 3 from the field. He's only shooting 11.1% from three, which I'll get into the three pointers a little bit later as well. Beyond the th- beyond the three misses from three point land, he ended up going three of five from the field with it be inside of the three point line. Hit both of his free throws. Had six rebounds and three assists tonight. So the playmaking from him was kind of coming back. Uh, Wancho was a plus 19 on the night. Trey Lyles was a plus 16. On the night, uh, Mason Plumlee, man, what a damn game from Mason Plumlee! Again, stat line is not going to tell you that he was so impactful, but you know, seven points, three of five shooting, uh, he had six rebounds, one assist, and one steal, but. He was a defensive monster for most of this game. He was playing so well on defense, hedging out with tons of aggression, recovering to guys, blocking shots. He was just all over the place, and he didn't get credited for a block, but he absolutely deferred or deterred so many shots at the rim tonight. Mason Plumley is arguably the Nuggets player of the night tonight, even though Gary Harris had his 20 points on 13 shots. Plumley was everywhere for the Nuggets tonight when they needed him most, and he was great. Um, the other player that was great was Malik Beasley. Only played 18 minutes, but had 12 points on 8 shots. He hit 3 of his 5 3-pointers, his, hit his only free throw shot, and had 2 assists against 1 turnover. Consistently made good decisions, he hit all 3 of his 3-pointers in the 4th quarter when the Nuggets direly needed, needed to do so, and was a big part of that 4th quarter obliteration that allowed the Nuggets to finally take this lead and run with it. Um, when it comes to the 4th quarter itself though, it was the play of both ends for this Nuggets team. So, the group that played the majority of the minutes was Jamal Murray with the bench unit, with Juancho Hernan Gomez, Trey Lyles, Mason Plumley, and Malik Beasley. That five-man group was just lights out on both ends of the floor. So... The Jazz shot just four of seventeen from the field in the fourth quarter and zero of four from three. Um, the Nuggets, on the other hand, shot thirteen of twenty-three from the field and hit four of six of their three-point shots. Uh, Beasley had three of them, and then of course Mason Plumley had his three-point shot. That was that was the moment you knew that things were getting out of hand for the Jazz when, at the end of the shot clock, Mason Plumley hits a three-pointer and the bench just erupted. Um, on top of that, Melissa. Leak had his eleven points in the quarter and yo and then the Nuggets, they assisted on all thirteen made shots. They had thirteen assists in the fourth quarter on thirteen made shots. Let me say that one more time. 13 assists on 13 made shots in one quarter, if that isn't perfection from an offensive team in the fourth quarter to put up 35 points, I just flat out don't know what is. Um, Nikola Jokic had a big part in that, he only played I think like four and a half minutes in that fourth quarter, but he had five assists in those four and a half minutes. Uh, Murray himself also, For like well, I'll talk a little bit about Murray's struggles later in this podcast, but Murray had six points four rebounds and four assists in the fourth quarter alone and the Nuggets only had two turnovers to outscore the Jazz 35 to 15 when it seemed like the game was getting away from them it was incredible the Nuggets trailed by nine at the start of the fourth quarter and they ended up winning by 15 this was just a flat-out incredible performance from this Denver Nuggets team on both ends of the floor and one of my favorite takeaways from talking to the players and coaches after the game for press conferences was Nikola Jokic told the media that he told Jordy Fernandez, the assistant coach of the Nuggets um, team, that the bench unit should stay in because they were so good. I don't know any star player in all of the NBA that would be like, you know what? Keep the bench in. Even though I have 16 assists and i am dealing right now, keep the bench in because they're our best chance to win. And Nikola Jokic backed it up. like He just wants to win that is the end-all be-all of what he is looking for and that is exactly what he did he allowed his team to play at the best of their ability even if it did not mean that he was on the floor michael malone was so um i guess he was just appreciative of the of the effort that the bench gave him um so there's a couple quotes he had that i wanted to say real quick so the first one was this um, he was asked what the important part of that win was, and this was what Michael Malone said. The bench. Jamal was out there with Malik, Wancho, Trey, and Mason. Those guys were just everywhere. It was inspiring to watch. We are down five, they scored two shots, and they were down nine points. And then we were down nine points, sorry. Uh, We held them to four field goals in the fourth quarter, which is unbelievable. We only had two turnovers in that fourth quarter, which was a big part of the run that we went on. We went on an 18 to nothing run. It wasn't perfect, but it was five guys out there playing as hard as they possibly could on both ends. It was really fun to watch. The Game change with that group. I let them stay in the game. That was really why we won the game. The next quote was It was not a game plan or strategy. It was just effort. We raised our intensity and our urgency to a whole other level. That is how you go on an 18 0 run. That is how you hold a team to 15 points in the fourth quarter. Granted, those guys were on a back to back, but this was our third game in four nights. Give our guys a ton of credit. I, Malone said it perfectly. Like that is hitting it on the nose. And the most important part of that group, in my opinion, was Mason Plumley. And Malone also spoke on Mason Plumley a little bit. So here's a couple other quotes that he met, that Malone had. He said. Mason was a starter on a playoff team, and he is here backing up one of the best young bigs in the NBA. Not an easy situation. I don't think anyone could handle it any better than Mason Plumlee has. Below went on to say, he was everywhere. Mace, he just knows how to play hard every possession, as does that whole group. Malik Beasley, they go under him and he hits a couple big shots. Wancho is flying around. That is fun basketball to watch. Obviously, that is the reason that we won the game. You can't sum it up any better. Flat out, you just cannot sum it up any better. That fourth quarter was incredible to watch, and it was 100% because that bench unit stepped up when the Nuggets needed them the most the next couple things i'm going to talk about are not positive um while the nuggets win was huge while the fact that they're eight and one is incredible and the fact that they have the third best defense in basketball is even more spectacular there are still negatives to take away from this game and they're important negatives because it speaks to where the nuggets can still improve as a team and as individual players on the roster Um, the thing i want to start with first is that tory craig in the starting lineup is just not working in my opinion Anybody who follows me on Twitter and follows my work knows how much I think that Torrey Craig is a really important part of this Nuggets team and that I think he can be a very important part down the line as a playoff team and things like that. But so far, as with him in the starting lineup for Will Barton, it has just congested this Nuggets offense. They're just Opposing teams just aren't defending him. They're just sagging off and they're allowing um, whatever defender is on Torrey Craig to, just to completely play as a rover position and not even defend him. When that happens, all of a sudden there's another defender in the paint, which all of a sudden means that Nikola Jokic is not able to make the same level passes to cutters. Cutters aren't able to get into the paint off the ball because there's nowhere to cut to in an open spot. On top of that, players like Gary Harris and Jamal Murray are not able to drive into the paint because there's so many more defenders to deal with. So right now... As, as good as Torrey Craig can be for this team, he does not fit in this starting lineup. And that's, I'm, I'm willing to go to that level at this point. I'm just pretty much locked into that thought process. And what's more frustrating for me about this is that it's not like they don't have another tangible option that they can go to outside of Torrey Craig. I think Torrey Craig is exactly the kind of player that Michael Malone loves because he plays with an intense amount of effort and he gives you everything he has when he's on the floor and he defends his ass off. But... The Nuggets need spacing right now, and they need their starters to finally get into some semblance of an offensive rhythm, because they just don't have it yet. So, bringing in a guy like Juancho Hernan Gomez to, to, to fit into that starting lineup just makes so much more sense for me. I mean... Wancho's three-point shooting, I think he has the prettiest three-point shot on the Nuggets roster of anybody on that roster, Jamal Murray included. So I think having that spacing in there is important because you have to defend Wancho. If you don't, he's going to hit 60% of his wide-open three-pointers at a rough, you know, speculatory number. The other thing that is interesting about this is that... Juancho Hernan Gomez has been defending at a very high level, and you know which is surprising because he hasn't been that defender, but he has been this year, and I think you need to reward the fact that he has been such a hard-nosed defending player who has been able to hit his three-pointers this year, he's hitting 45.5% of his three-pointers, by giving him a chance to play in the starting lineup. The other thing is that I think that Tory Craig just fits better with the bench unit as an individual player, and I think that Wancho fits better with the starters as an individual player. Tory Craig is not going to ever be an offensively-minded player, so putting him on the bench unit, you don't lose any kind of defensive effort or even scoring at that point because Wancho Hernan Gomez when he's on the bench is not able to create for himself and there's not enough creators on the floor to get him into good positions. So putting Torrey Craig with the bench unit is not going to hurt Torrey Craig's effectiveness but putting Wancho Hernan Gomez in the starting lineup makes him a significantly more impactful player than he currently is right now. Wancho is best as a fifth option as a guy who just spots off, spots up off ball, relocates from the three-point line and cuts off ball. So, if it's me, which I am not the most intelligent person in the world, I am not the best basketball mind, Michael Malone clearly knows more about this game than I do, and so does the rest of the Nuggets front office, but if it was me, and from what I am seeing on the court, and from what I understand from my point of view, it just makes so much more sense to have Juancho Hernan Gomez as the guy that you have in the starting lineup, as opposed to a Torrey Craig who is really just kind of bogging things down at this point in time. The la- one of the last two things that I want to hit on next is actually going to be about Jamal Murray. Uh, Jamal overall had a fairly strong game. I mean, 19 points, 7 of 16 shooting, only 1 of 3 from 3, but also had 5 rebounds and 4 assists. So overall, it wasn't a bad game. Plus 18, he was a directly important part of that fourth quarter rally that allowed the Nuggets to win this game, but there is one thing about Jamal Murray's game that just is making life very difficult for the rest of the Nuggets team, and it's that his handles just aren't where they should be at this point, and he's just not showing that he has the point guard skills that are required to be a high-level guard in the Western Conference. I mean, There are multiple times now where Jamal Murray has been pickpocketed in the backcourt. There's been multiple times where it's been proven that as long as you pressure him as a ball handler, you throw him off of his game. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And he doesn't have the shake, he doesn't have the diversity in his handles to be able to get by guys, and he doesn't have the burst to be able to out-athlete you to make this a functional environment. So he needs to find a way to improve that. But the biggest issue, the number one thing that drives me mad watching him play sometimes is the fact that when he gets a switch with Nikola Jokic in the two-man game, if he has a big on him, he can't get the ball to Jokic. He does not have the savvy as a passer to get the ball back to Jokic when he has a guard on him, and it's really hurting the Nuggets' offense and it's hurting Jokic's production. So if he can't do that, I don't know what the Nuggets are going to be able to do to exploit mismatches. This is why I think it's so important to see the Nuggets play Monte Morris and Jamal Murray together, because Monte Morris is such a savvy floor general type point guard. And I think the Nuggets, what I would do, is I would play more of Monte Morris, Gary Harris, and Jamal Murray together, all three of them, and it may be a small lineup, but they're playing with enough defensive intensity to make up for the lost points that you're going to be giving up at that point, but Jamal Murray has not been able to get the ball where he needs it to go, and even if Jokic is just posting up on a big, and and Jamal Murray is dealing with a, with a guard on him, he can't even really get the ball into the post as a basic post entry pass very often, so... He needs to find a way to improve his handles and improve his passing. The vision can come. You don't have to be a creative passer right now, but the basic passes have to be able to be accomplished in a timely manner, or it's just going to continually bog down this Nuggets offense that cannot be bogged down more than it already is. Teams are catching on to how to defend him, and they're pressuring the hell out of him more and more and more, it seems like, every single game. So he needs to find a way to do that the last thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that Denver just still can't hit threes. I don't know what it is. I don't understand it, but they cannot hit threes still at this point. As a team, they're shooting 30.6% from three this year. Murray is shooting way below his three-point percent average. Gary Harris is shooting way below his three-point percent average. Trey Lyles has only hit two three-pointers all year this year to shoot 11% from the field or from the three-point land, and Tory Craig has been also very, very, very shaky from three. Thankfully, Wancho and Malik Beasley have been able to kind of carry them out of that gap and even Monte Morris who's been a strong three-point shooter so far but they need to get some semblance of shooting back and if their three-pointers start to fall this team is going to be very 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 difficult to contend with they are so close to being flat out dominant as a team and really all it comes down to are these three-pointers. I asked Michael Malone and multiple different individuals before the game about this, and pretty much the consensus thought process was that they're getting good looks. They're just not falling. This is a team-wide slump right now, and it's making it very difficult to get a good gauge on what his offense is because they're generating good shots, but they're missing wide-open threes over and over and over again. I mean... Tonight, thank God that this was the this was the thing, but the Nuggets bench was really the only only people who gave them their three pointers. I mean, th- there's this one stat that I thought really stood out to me, and it was the fact that. Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Mason Plumley of all people, combined to go 5-of-8 from the three-point line against the Jazz. The rest of the roster only went 4-of-20. They're just struggling from three-point distance, and it's all of their most important shooters that are struggling. So hopefully the Nuggets are able to remedy that situation sooner rather than later, because if they start hitting threes, man, this team is going to be lights out, and they're going to be nearly unstoppable to most teams, as long as they keep this defensive energy up. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. I appreciate everybody for following along. I know this one was kind of long and went a little bit deeper, but this game was just so important in so many ways. and It was such a great litmus test for where this team is. The Nuggets are 8-1. and one. This is their best start since the ABA days, and this team shows no signs of slowing down, and actually quite the opposite. They show a lot of signs of upward trajectory. This is a team that is without Will Barton right now, without Isaiah Thomas off the bench right now, and is not able to hit their threes. So they can get significantly better than they currently are. Um... Make sure to keep it locked to Mile High Sports for tons and tons of coverage. There's the post game up and um, Brendan Ewing's uh, five takeaways already. This podcast will be up very shortly as well, in terms of about three AM tonight. Um, and then there will be a couple more pieces that I publish tomorrow on the site. So there's going to be tons of content up. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. This is the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Go leave a review. Um, go give us five stars. Leave a comment. Bug me about it. Anything like that. We really appreciate you guys listening it's so important that you do because it keeps this podcast going um other than that though thank you so much for listening i hope you guys have a great rest of your night we'll talk to you after the celtics game in about 36 hours "'Hey, my house had some water damage and I need to know it's covered.' "'No, we don't have any furs or pewter dishware.' No gravestones either. Look, we have normal stuff, like from this century. Don't find out your home insurance is outdated after it's too late. Hippo includes more coverage for the things you have today, like computers. Um, it's like a typewriter with a screen. And Hippo can cost up to 25% less. Visit myhippo.com to get a quote in 60 seconds. Hippo is a licensed property casualty insurance agent with products underwritten by various insurance companies. Covered subject underwriting qualifications. Savings vary. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the...